0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.TV. It's baseball everywhere. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Anthony Cashman, and this is our latest look at the Chicago White Sox. I am joined live and in person by Mr. Scott Merk. And Merk, good to see you, buddy. Good to see you. This is crazy being live, and we're in. I, I can't
1: describe the palatial surroundings we're in right now. To uh, to tape this it's it's way too good for our podcast I think to just be in this kind of uh, opulence right now yeah
0: this is the uh, uh, public relations workroom at Progressive Field and at any moment we could be uh the victims of an avalanche of old media guides. Maybe from, at some point I should just
1: media. pull out like the 2014 Marlins guide and just read some pages from it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's a page turner. We got one up there, so there's we can. Some, really, yeah,
0: there's some classics surrounding us <laughs> for sure. All right, Mark, uh, let's talk about the Sox a little bit. Uh, first of all, let's start with some big picture topics. Uh, Robin Ventura, of course, is in that uh, quote-unquote lame duck situation contractually. Um, You know, there's been various points this season where you thought he might be on thin ice. They, of course, stuck with him and were deep enough into the season and obviously uh, not in a great competitive scenario anymore. To like, If they were going to make a move in season, it would have happened by now. But, of course, uh, the the question does hang in the air. Uh, What is his future? Does he have a future uh, in the dugout? What are your thoughts on that situation right now?
1: It's an innocent situation. I mean, this is the last year of his contract, so, you know, there's no longer that one more year, two more years left. But... I mean, it's hard to say. You know, I mean, they had the great start this year. They were 23-10, and 10, and then they just kind of, you know, fell on very tough times They're now. As we sit here taping this, they're five back, and I believe 11.5 behind the Indians and nine behind the Red Sox. So barring something very, you know, outland- not outlandish, but s- superb, they're going to have a tough time again making the playoffs, which, you know, just so that's another year since 2008. I-, I-, I still hold the fact that I think Robin is a decent manager, a good manager, and I think that, it's not just on him, you know. As Ozzie Guillen used to say, good managers have good players, and I'm not saying the players are bad. It just for some reason, it hasn't worked as a team. But on the other side, you know, a lot of times good managers get moved because the team doesn't perform. Hmm. And it it just would be interesting. It'd be interesting how they would sell it, how they would not necessarily sell, but how they would talk about it if they did bring him back for another year, another two years, another three years. Just you know, spit firing out there when the team the last two years has. Underachieved, You know, yeah. there's no question about it. I mean, last year might have been a little bit of false hope at the beginning and probably a little bit on the media, too, because they had such a good offseason with Cabrera and Samarja and David Roberts and Adam LaRoche that we all said, you know, wow, this team can contend. maybe they really weren't at that contending point last year. And, you know, they have they what, 63 wins to 73 wins to 76 wins, so who knows what they're going to end up with mm-hmm. this year. But this year was made even worse by the fact they were so good through 33 games, 23-10, six-game lead in the division. Now, again, that's May 8th, but it's still significant. It's still more than that. So, you know, it'd be interesting. I don't know if, if they come out and say, we're going for a rebuild and we want Robin to be in charge of that. That could, you know, make sense. But I, I it'll be interesting how they'll handle it at the end of the year. I I, w- I would imagine there won't be any kind of decision until those last couple days of the season announced one way or another. And, and knowing the Sox, they're not going to say, we're in a rebuild and then start trading that kind of weakened your position i think they might say let's say it comes to winter meetings and they've traded sale and Cantana. then you can pretty much know they're in a rebuild i don't right. think they're going to like throw the shingle out right. there and say open for business we're rebuilding give us what you can type of thing so you know i don't know it's hard to say i mean it's it's with two straight underachieving years it may come down to a good guy a good baseball guy a guy who's dedicated to the organization just may it may be time for a change
0: uh, because they are at this, this sort of conceptual fork of the road, so to speak, do they go down the rebuild road or, or, or continue to stay the course trying to contend? You know, there's more emphasis or focus on the front office, uh, even, even more than usual. <laughs> there's always focus on front offices, but um, this is particularly the case, and there's been some rumblings about that dynamic, uh, Kenny Williams and, and Rick Hahn, and, and how is that relationship going? What, what is your take on, on that dynamic? It's interesting. Chicago
1: has this setup around the city, pretty much. You know, the Bulls have John Paxson and Gary right. Foreman. Right. The Cubs have Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer. And then the Sox have Kenny Williams and Rick Hunt. And the one thing to remember about Ken Williams and Rick Hunt is it's not like when Rick became GM that was his first year with the Sox. He's been there a long time, and he's worked with Kenny Williams for a long time. So are they different purposes? You know, I know Kenny Williams' mo always was to try and win, and not that Rick isn't trying to win, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure if. Rebuild and letting the prospects go Mm -hmm. was ever really on his plate as much as using the prospects to trade and enhance the product you have there. At some point, you do have to kind of take a step back and see what you have. Now, I will say that, again, I don't think not trading Sale and Quintana at the All-Star break was a huge issue. If you didn't get exactly what you want with those contractual controls you have and the affordable contractual controls under two of the best pitchers in the American League, you don't give them away for 80 cents on the dollar. If you wanted Mookie Betts as an example and three prospects in Boston and they said we'll give you four prospects, then say no, you know, and, and try you know, maybe these teams like Texas and Boston and the Dodgers who were in it and in contention but couldn't mm-hmm. afford to give any important piece up, maybe they lose in one game or they mm-hmm. lose in one series, and then they go into the offseason and say, Now we gotta get that guy. We gotta get say or we gotta get out So yeah, now we're gonna add Player X, who was a major league contributor last year, because we got to get this pitcher at the top of our rotation. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't see anything against that. I, you know, I don't know. It's 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 always an interesting dynamic when you have one guy who's a GM and one guy's executive vice president. I mean, just before the trade deadline, I was off the day that Rick held court that Thursday before the Detroit series at home, and you know he talked about we're open to a lot of things. And then Kenny a few days later, and you know he was asked a direct question, and he said we don't have we were not sure which direction we're going yet. Mm-hmm. So. It kind of gives mixed messages, and I think that's something they have to get on the same page. Not that they aren't, but they have to figure out, this is what we're going for. Yeah. And there's no mixed message. This is the plan. Let's not put it out there that it's not. We're either rebuilding, or we're going to try and build around these five or six guys and not call it a rebuilding, kind of, you know, try to improve ourselves. So, again, I, I think they've worked together a while. I'm sure no relationship when you work together for... Fifteen years is is flawless. It just you know he kind of has his growing pains along the way.
0: Well, we've we've been working together That's for true. about there's a dozen no years yet. now, exactly. and there's we've we've had this is the
1: first time we've spoken in a media relations <laughs> room full of media guys. So that was kind of
0: different. That is this is a major moment, major milestone in our relationship. Um, all right, so the word rebuild has been tossed around a bit in this podcast. It might be tossed around a bit this winter. We'll see. But a guy uh, who's interesting there because he's kind of caught in the crosshairs. Uh, uh, he was in a rebuild situation in Cincinnati. It's potential that he's now coming to another one here in Chicago. I know you've talked to Todd Frazier in recent days uh, about that dynamic. Right. What are his thoughts on, on kind of what the fit is uh, here long-term? Todd's
1: an interesting guy, and he's pretty much everything I'd heard he would be from, like, the people, Mark Sheldon, who covered yeah. him in Cincinnati, and just just a great guy to deal with. And You know, he said, you know, at first he kind of joked where right? I said, well, if they go young, what do you think? And he goes, well, if they go young, I'm probably not going to be here. <laughs> but I said, well, if they decide to keep him. Cause remember, that's a position that they've had a tough time fill since the days of Joe Creedy, which were back in 05, 06, 07, and that kind of thing. Right. So maybe, you know, they have some prospects down there, Matt Davidson, uh, Trey Mieczewski, they have some guys who are coming up, but not quite ready yet. Maybe they keep Frazier through next year, he's arbitration eligible, and see what happens. And he wants to be that guy, he wants to be that leader, he wants to be that leader either way, whether it's a rebuild, or whether it's a contending, you know, contending team. I'm sure he'd prefer to play on a contender. I'm sure that's, you know, what he wants to do, and he had a great time going through it at the beginning of this year. But he's more than happy to kind of... He even, you know, brought some specifics up that were kind of interesting about, you know, talking to young players now about being on time mm. or waiting at the elevator to let the veterans go through. It's, it's mm-hmm. very old school, you yeah. know, very old school yeah. type of stuff. But, you know, I, I think he's a, he's a great guy to have in the clubhouse. He's a good influence seems to get along with everyone. So he's kind of a guy that I think you could keep, and he's not exactly. It's not like he's thirty-seven or thirty-eight. He's, right. You know, what, thirty years old, I want to yeah. say. Yeah. So he's a guy you could definitely keep, even if you were going to try and go younger and, and go in that direction.
0: All right, Merck, uh, Pitcher wins are overrated. We know this, but Chris Sale has not uh, won a game since July second. Right. Uh, you know, at, at, at I don't have a more intellectual way to put this. What's <laughs> up with that? <laughs>
1: do not a Cliff Clavin line. Yeah, the thing. <laughs> uh, you know, am, am I, the, I am the only person in the world who actually looks at pitchers' wins and doesn't think they're. I, I think you can make you can show cases where Jose Quintana pitches seven scoreless innings, and goes in the ninth leading two-one, and David Robertson blows the save, and then the Sox score in the yeah, bottom of the yeah. inning, and he gets the win. You can make. I do think you know Chris Sale throwing four complete games that make means he earned that victory. You know, I, I get that there are fifteen and eight pitchers with a four seventy ERA, and there. Are, Jose Quintana, who's yeah. nine and nine with a two eighty right? Yeah, yeah. but I just think uh, you know he's had that kind of one moment here or there, and he's had some good starts over the stretch. You know, I think he's he's gone six straight. I believe he's zero and four with an ERA in the mid fours around that, and you know he did have eight innings of one hit ball against Seattle, which was lost by David Robertson in the ninth inning there. It just seems like you know in the last game against Miami, he had he has the bases loaded. Nobody out, one two on the pitcher, and the pitcher hits a line drive off a fastball back up the middle. It's those kind of moments that have kind of done him in. Mean, I'd still put you know Sale and Cantana, Sale, we're talking about in particular here, up there among the best in baseball. He's just kind Absolutely. of hit a little bit of a little bit of a funk right now for whatever reason. Location, I guess, is as much as anything right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right one last thing Merck. Uh Jose abreu's son Daryl, got to see uh, his dad play in a major league game for the in, in person right. for the first time uh, last week and he's of course been tagging along with the club uh, nice personal touch there
1: yeah one of the better stories of the year I mean you yeah. can't you can't get much better than that I mean he uh, he's now on a five month visa I believe they said mm-hmm. so now he can come and go for a little bit in that time and he was there all weekend in Miami, and it was funny at the end of the after the game Friday night. Jose holding his hand, brought him into the clubhouse, and he talked to players. Avi Garcia gave him a big hug, and Jose even brought him over to the media members because he has talked done like three interviews about his son now. Yeah. And he kind of shook each one of our hands, <laughs> gave Daryl Manscalin a little fist bump, and uh, that's the sometimes beat writer in case people are looking that up. It, it was it was just kind of a cool moment, and you can just huh. see how Jose is just beaming. Around. I mean, anyone who has kids can just imagine. Yeah not being able to seeing your son once in three years and not because you don't want to because right. you can't right so it obviously you know makes a difference in his life and probably makes a difference to him as a player too
0: yeah he's had a upswing in, in performance right. and, and you you'd have to think uh being you know personally content does not uh, does yeah not take I mean, away from that. this
1: was not a thing that happened like on a Thursday and they said he's coming Friday I'm right. sure this took a lot of work so right. he probably right. knew this was happening for a while and, you yeah. know that's got these guys are humans too I know you look at him you see the numbers and the contracts and everything else but They have lives on top of everything else, so it it does affect them.
0: All right. That's the latest from Scott Merkin. I want to thank him for joining me here in the the workroom. And uh, we're going to get back to reading some media guides here. And uh, thanks for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extra Chicago White Sox edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device.